I'm excited to be in this series that we're in. And little did I know how prophetic it was that unprecedented times call for unprecedented faith. Didn't we have some unprecedented times this week? Unprecedented. Never happened before. And what's been interesting is what happened this week, and we all know what I'm talking about, the, uh, uh, they stormed the Capitol building. A lot of weird people in there too, by the way, like guy with a Viking helmet, just got like went real left real quick. But uh, it, it kind of made you analyze the state of our nation. But as I scrolled across people's posts on Instagram, I was, it was also a good uh, measuring uh, stick for the state of our faith. Because I didn't see a lot of faith on the internet in response to what people saw, specifically from Christians. So we had unprecedented times, and I saw unprecedented anger. And here's the thing. It's really hard to have faith when you have the right to have another emotion. It's really difficult to have faith when you think you have the right. When you feel like you are owed something, it's really hard to have faith. And so unprecedented times can bring unprecedented anger. And the anger is deserved. What we saw was ridiculous. But if you are like Jesus, then unprecedented time activates unprecedented faith. Because unprecedented times and unprecedented anger will achieve nothing but unprecedented anxiety, fear, judgment. And so what I would want for us as a church, if I am your pastor, is that we battle unprecedented times with our faith. And so this is a perfect time to lean into this series. And if you've tuned in today wondering what I'm going to say about what happened in our nation, uh, I'm going to tell you scripture. I know, what do I think about it? I'm going to tell you what God thinks about it and what God thinks about faith. And then hopefully... Um, you can grow in your knowledge of Jesus and operate in the greatest, what if 2021, which started off weird, is the greatest year of your spiritual growth you've ever had in your life? What if the worst year you've ever had in your life is followed by the greatest year of spiritual growth ever? We need some unprecedented faith. So the title of my message today, and I'm going to tell you about some faith that I got when I went on vacation. The title of my message today, I love titles and messages. The title of my message today is called you better work. You better work. If you don't know what that word means, it's like the thing that the young people say when somebody's like dressed up in a nice outfit, they go, you better work. <laughs> if you're with your wife right now, turn to your wife and just say, you with your girlfriend, keep it, keep it PG though, you know, wait till you get married. But turn with your, 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 your significant other and just tell her, girl, you better work. Let's go ahead and tell her. Go ahead and tell her. We, live in, we, we go to a multicultural church, so definitely someone just turned to their wife and said, girl, you better work. No, no, no. <laughs> they made sure all of the R's were just properly pronounced. Girl, you better work. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said, you better work. You have to like, you can't actually say it right if you don't move your neck. <laughs> Megan, can I, you're white. Can we just, let's just, for the cameras. For the camera, just practice moving your neck a bit. You're not gonna just, just you. You better work. Just try it. Hey, that was actually impressive. That was impressive. David would be proud. All right, all right, all right. It's moving on. <laughs> moving on. We're having fun as a family. We're having fun as a family. 
you better work. I'm going to read from chapter, J, uh, chapter two of James. That was really good. We got to keep laughing. That was really funny. If you knew what I was talking about, it's great. Uh, James chapter two, verses one through 26 say this. My brothers and sisters, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. We're going to jump to uh, soon passage of scripture where it talks about faith without works, which many of us may know, but it starts with building a case before it gets to that, that I think we need to hear first in these first couple of verses. And before it gets to how we uh, partner with our faith, with our work, it says, make sure you want to have unprecedented faith. Don't hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus with an attitude of personal favoritism. It literally means to not show favoritism towards people or partiality towards people. And, and listen what this word means. It means do not have faith mixed with respect or honor towards people because of their outward attributes. And I, you got to get this because if you want to have unprecedented faith, that means that my faith is in Christ alone. No person and what is going on with them should affect my faith. I have no favoritism. So no person can make, I got to give it to you so you can catch this. It would be like a person who is called to the, the, the music industry that meets their favorite producer. And then all of a sudden they think their faith is activated because of who they met, not who they serve and worship. And it means that if you met that your favorite music producer, that it would not activate your faith because you've met your favorite. That's what favoritism is. It means that your faith for what you're called to do in the music industry would be just as activated by your encounter with a homeless person as it would be with your encounter with your. You don't have favoritism and, and, and favorites and respecting of people because of what they've achieved mixed in with your faith. This is so important. And he goes on to deal with issues in the church. And he says this. He uses this example. I used a practical example in our time, but listen to this. Verse two. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring, and many Bible scholars said that if that people, this could mean visitors comes in with a gold ring. And somebody with a gold ring usually was a person of power, political power, influence, uh, wealth. If somebody comes in with a gold ring and is dressed in bright clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the bright clothes and say, you sit here in a good place and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? So before he addresses faith without works, he's saying, you are not qualified to tell the difference between good people and bad people. He literally says, hey, before I get to your faith with works, I have to disqualify you from telling the difference between good people and bad people because you only know how to see what they do. I know how to see what's driving what they do. And he's saying, I have to, before we can get to faith without works, I have to disqualify you from deciding who's good and who's bad. And he used the example of reserved seating in church. And I'll never forget the time that uh, our community relations director, Jennifer Perkins, reserved seats in the front for people who had just got out of prison. 
who had nothing to give to our church. And God is saying, that's how I want to, you to deal with. The person that you deem less honorable is the person you move right to the front. Who would you put in VIP determines whether or not you have unprecedented faith. Who is your VIP? Who is the person that when you meet them, you start to feel a little encouraged? And some of you, for example, are more inclined to even treat lead pastors like they're somebody. I am not a somebody. I'm a nobody who knows a real powerful somebody. That is Jesus. That's it. And so you can even elevate me, right? I'm telling you right now, my 20% of my job, and sometimes 50%, is getting off of a throne people try to put me on. And if you really, really want to be blessed and have unprecedented faith in this season, when God begins to send you into unprecedented levels of blessing and, and success and influence, 50% of your job is getting off the throne. People try to put you on because Jesus belongs there. And so he tells, I'm telling you, some of you are believing for your best year yet. And if you're playing favorites towards people, God, I believe is restricting certain blessings that would bring so much influence in your life because he knows that you don't want to be Jesus. You want to be them. You want to be like them, not like Christ, like them. Comparison means that you want to be like them. This is so important. He says, you pay special attention. And he goes on to verse five. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, did God not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? We call Skid Row, Skid Row. But God says that some of them poor people down there are heirs of the kingdom. So in the natural, when you drive down Beverly Hills and get your boo that you just told you better work, a Louis bag, you think you're on the rich side of town. But in the kingdom, when you drive down the tent cities, God is saying sometimes that's where my spiritual wealth is dwelling with people who have nothing but me. He says he chose them. Then verse six says, but you've dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the good name by which you have been called? He says, no, 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 no. I, I don't want you to show favoritism. It's a powerful word. And he says, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. What if we evaluated ourselves by that? That's unprecedented faith alone can be found in our evaluations. Do I love my neighbor as I love myself? It says, but if you show partiality or favoritism, you're committing sin or convicted by the law as violators. Whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do, but if, now if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a violator of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What a powerful word. He's dealing with how we view people. He's dealing with our ability to show mercy. That's why what happened this week is so important because God will give a circumstance in your life just to see if you know how to handle mercy. 
He's just dealing with all the stuff. How do you view people? Before I get to faith, let me address how you address people. Let me address how you show favoritism. Let me address how you view the poor and where my kingdom resides. And let me address when somebody does something, do you show them mercy or judgment? And then now he goes to this. What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to acknowledge, you foolish person, that faith... We need Pastor James up in here. I got to say stuff too nice. You foolish person. That faith without works is useless. Faith without works is useless. And then it goes on to say that faith without works is dead. I really felt as I was praying for you today that we are in right now a time where certain people aren't even allowed to work. And and this is so important. And what's happening is because we're not allowed to work, we're not allowed to visit people, everyone is waiting on what the government is going to do to set us free. Can I just be real? Somebody's like, I wonder what the stimulus check is going to be. Relying on the government. That stimulus check come through. It's really going to. And you're not putting in the work that you need to be putting in right now so that you could give away your stimulus check when it comes. Because the Bible says that a righteous person, your character, planted by the rivers of God, will bear fruit in every season. I don't need the government to help me out. And this is not a guilt thing if you're on employment during this time, but I'm saying what you received, don't rely on. I can receive unemployment. I can receive a stimulus check. It hit that account. I was like, cool. But I receive it, but I don't rely on it. I don't, because if you do, then you will be conditioned to not work your faith. And the Spirit told me to tell you, you got faith, you're believing 2021 is going to be your best year, you better work. Why is the world so crazy? Because the devil is putting in work. And here's the crazy thing. The devil is not omnipresent, so he has to work to get his stuff done. Jesus is seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God because he's omnipresent, because he's omnipowerful. He can work without moving. There's a scripture in Job chapter one where the God asked the devil, where did you come from? From roaming the earth, going back and forth, moving around. He's putting in work. And God is saying, I need you to match your, if you have faith, it would produce a work ethic, a passion. Like you would be just waking up every morning like, let's 
Go. It's time to put in some work. And some of us got so mad at what happened to Capitol building. And as I was praying about it, God was saying, I wish my people had passion like that. They were so mad. I get it. I was heated. I understand. But God was saying, what if a Christian, they stormed the Capitol? What if a Christian stormed the homeless community? What if a Christian stormed the entertainment industry, being in the love and the hope of Jesus? What if a Christian stormed the city of Los Angeles, anointed in the oil of God, saying Jesus came to save and give you freedom? What if we had that same passion for God that they had for a man? What would God do? That kind of faith would make you work and work and work driven, not by your own goals or achievements, but by faith. I need some faith. That's what I said when I turned on the news. I need some faith. When's the last time we did something crazy for God? Because we look at people on TV like, these people are crazy. You know what the people used to say about Christians? These people are crazy. Paul and these disciples were out of their mind. They would get beat for nothing and say, thank God we got to suffer for Jesus' sake. It's like, wait, what? See, we're so used to making sure that our faith is so clean and perfect that we don't realize that the devil's raising up more radical people than... I know this is true, because we're believing for revival, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's all over the internet. Revival, revival. We're praying. We're, we're, we're worshiping in every city and bringing revival. And real revival in Acts chapter 2, the people were confused and thought everybody was drunk. They had never seen anything like this before. It's not more people come to church. It is people with so much faith that it's producing work. And I felt like God is saying, that in 2021, you're going to have to work, man. This is not, this is not. I, I, like, Marvin, you put in the work. Marvin, we having these ideas. And, and here's, here's the way. Marvin has these ideas and these business, and he puts in the work. He doesn't just believe. He believes so much that he works. And I'm telling you right now, and this is just as like your pastor, we did this survey and um, I mean, we probably have 4,000 people, you know, that would call Oasis home. On any given, you know, weekend, we have 3,000 people who, you know, like watch it. So that doesn't, that means individual views. So that like, that could be like families. I mean, who knows? I mean, we're still trying to figure out how many people. And so we did this vision thing. And for eight weeks, we've been announcing, man, we're going to be rebuilding with faith. And I'm like, oh, man, that might have been a bad tagline. Because I think only 650 people were willing to work. 4,000 were willing to watch. 600 were willing to work. 4,000. I thought it was going to take us weeks to go through all the people that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm down to put in the work and rebuild. But it took us a couple minutes. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> but it's not that I'm frustrated about that. It's not that I'm frustrated about that. I'm just inviting you to be a part of what God says must happen yeah. if you really have faith. Right. 
And I really think this is important because our job is to equip you to work well. And so I want to read to you a few passages of scripture that in 2021, this is not going to be a place to be spiritually entertained. This is going to be a place where you are fed and filled so that you can do what you were born to do. Because you know what God told me? Faith is when you're born for it. Work is when you're built for it. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Faith is when you're born for it. Work is when you're built for it. See, the reason why you're hitting so many brick walls and your calling and your purpose and what you feel like the Lord told told you to do is that you're born for it, but you're not built for it. Church is where you come and you engage so that the word of the Lord and the community can build you for what you are born for. In the hood, we used to say, you ain't built like that. I'm built different. Not a little hip-hop taglines, but I'm built different in the chat. You got to be built for what you're born for. I'm telling you, somebody, you were put on this earth, formed in your mother's womb for the thing that you have in your spirit, and God can't release you because you're not built. The Bible says that the church's job is to build up the body of Christ. And so what was happening is people are leaving the church because we were entertaining, not building. The word of God builds and it says a wise man is one who builds their house on the rock. If you don't build your house on the word, then what you're born for will be destroyed when the storms come. Because that's what it said. The storms come. The storms come, and if you don't build your, if you're not built on the word, then what you were born for gets destroyed in the storm. And in the church, we love to say storms are demonic. I'm flowing right now. I feel the Holy Spirit on this. We love to act like the devil sent a storm. You know, when you say, Pastor, like, you'd have faith in the storm. Jesus is with you in the storm. We always act like the storms are demonic. But in the Middle East, Storms were life-giving. In the Middle East, they would have been praying for a storm. It only rains where that scripture was said, it only rains twice a year. If it does not rain, remember, Elijah called the drought for three and a half years and animals and crops and people died. It rained only twice a year. Watch this. Build your house on the words, words so that when the storms come, what you've built will, will last. Not the storms and the attacks of the devil. We're always blaming the devil. In the book of Joel, God promises to send the latter rains and the former rains. The rains in November soften the ground so that the ground can receive the seed. And the rain in the spring, the storm in the spring showed up so that when you put in the work between winter and spring, the rain would water the work. Dang, I'm preaching. When Samuel Rodriguez at Legacy Nights last year prophesied rain, we were like, make it rain, Lord, make it rain. You guys, the rain was to water the work. And the rain is coming, but because we're not working, the rain falls on dry, hard, no listening to the word ground. So you got to put in the work because the rain is coming. So that verse means 
that you're built on the word, watch this, not so you can survive the attacks of the enemy, so you can survive. Remember Joel 2, God promises to send the rain. Samuel Rodriguez prophesied last year that God was sending the rain to Oasis. So building your life on the word is not so you can survive the attacks of the devil, it's so you can survive fulfilled prophecy. Did you hear what I just said? It's not the devil will kill you. If you don't build your house on the word, the prophecy will kill you. You ain't built for it. You ain't built for it. You gotta be built for this. I'm in therapy. I need to get rid of some of my junk. I got to be built for this. This ain't just preaching and entertaining and celebrity pastors and walking people up front. We got to be built for what God is doing in 21. Whatever year you were born, that was the year you were born for it. This year is the year you were built for it. I'm preaching in the name of Jesus. God is saying you better work. The rain is coming. You better work. If you don't work, the rain has nothing to bless. Rain is coming. It would come in November, and then it would come again in April. Are you ready for the rain? You got to put in the work. I'm going to read you a couple things that are, uh, God was saying. It's not just putting in the work. It's how you work. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts that the Holy Spirit gave me. Because in April, this is going to shift, man. The rain is coming. And the work we put in, you better fill out the survey. You don't even have to fill out my survey. You better just go online and fill out a survey. It could be something. You better fill one out from Chipotle or something. I don't know, man. You better fill out something. <laughs> the beans was good. I don't know. You don't have to fill it out at the church. But go to a church where you'd be willing to fill something out. Because the rain is coming. And where your lips is chapped and ashy... Because you ain't got no provision. You got that, you got that buildup in the corner of your mouth. That's how you're going to be looking at. You ever seen that person in the sun and they got that buildup in the corners? That's going to be you in the spirit. In the spiritual realm, I feel the Lord on this. He's saying to me to tell you, what do you want me to tell him, Lord? You got buildup in your corners. You just go like this. Go like this in the spirit. Because you're thirsty and starving because you ain't putting no work. <laughs> Go like this in the spirit. <laughs> Ooh. Jesus, that is funny. <laughs> I just straight said, he dropping stuff is so funny. I just straight said, Go like this in the spirit. You better put in the work, you're going to be hungry. And then you act like God is, God is mad at you or something. No, man, you just, I sent the rain. You ain't got nothing in the ground. Right? My job is to water your work. And think about this. Then he asks us to be rivers of living water. So when we show up to places of influence, they don't even know God. And we water their work. Jo Pharaoh didn't know God. Joseph did. And Joseph watered Pharaoh's work. Yeah. And Pharaoh was blessed, the Bible says, because Joseph was there. This, oh my God, man, I got to get to this second point, man. I'm about to, I'm about to take a lap. This is going to be me. I ain't trying to get that buildup, though, that you got in the spirit. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple things you got to work with, because you got to work right. 
Thing number one, you better work with favor. Don't start working and you don't have God's favor. Psalm 90 verse 17 says this, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Notice the favor came before the work. So we need to be, and when I was doing this message, God was like, man, like, I, I need to, like, I'm a, most of what I'm going to tell you is about favor. Because when you're working with God, when you're doing the things in the Bible that would bring about God's favor, the work gets blessed exponentially. Like a hundred times more than what you, you saw because you have God's favor. And even the, a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that it's interesting that the Bible says nothing about Jesus from age 12 to 30. And 30 was the first age that Jesus began to work. He didn't do any work, biblically document, documented from 12 to 30. There's nothing in scripture. And Jesus worked at 30 years old. And there's nothing that we know that happened from 12 to 20, except the passage of scripture where they found Jesus in the temple in Luke chapter 12. The only thing that we know that happened from 12, Luke chapter two, when Jesus was 12 and his parents lost him and they found him. The only thing we know for sure that happened between 12 and 30, we know this for sure. Luke 2, 52, he came out of the temple at 12 years old, studying with the scholars, studying the word. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So God spent 12 to 30, 18 years, we do know this, building up his favor. So I know you think that nothing's going on right now. Maybe you're in your 12 to 30 season. I want to prophesy over you. God's building up your favor. He's going to release you. And when he releases you, he's going to release you with favor. So don't, be, don't worry that nothing's happening. 2020 was supposed to be your year and, and nothing's happening with the music. Nothing's happening with the business. Nothing's happening with this. No, God's building up your favor as you follow him. Second thing you got to work with, you better work with mercy and truth. Turn to your neighbor, whoever you with, and say, you better work with some mercy. You notice this year has been crazy and has challenged our mercy. Mercy is when you, grace is when you give something, somebody something good that they don't deserve. Mercy is when you withhold something bad that they do deserve. So when that scripture I read earlier, mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy is given to a person you are tempted to judge. So what happened on January 6th was an opportunity for both judgment and mercy. And depending on which one you chose, you have activated or deactivated your favor. I'm going to read it right here. Just so you know, I didn't say that. The Bible did. Proverbs 3, 3, 4. Let not mercy and truth. You better work with mercy and truth is the point. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Mercy around your neck, the tablet of your heart. So when you have mercy and truth on your heart, God can see it. And mercy and truth around your neck, everyone can see it. God says, I'm going to give you favor. 
Mercy on the tablet of your heart, bind it around your neck. The neck is like a necklace. You need a gold chain of mercy and truth. It says when I can see it, that you have mercy and truth. So imagine this. What if you're activating your favor by what happened this week and you post something and someone can see that you are a person of mercy and truth? And God goes, not only can I see it, but they can see it. Favor. Do you understand what favor, if you had favor, we cheapen favor. We go to Ralph's, find a parking spot in the front, favor. No, 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 no. I'm glad you found a parking space. But if you had the favor of God, not everything you touch would be blessed. Joshua had so much favor. God said, where you put your feet, I will give to you. He said, I will bless the work of your hands in Deuteronomy 18. When you obey God with mercy and truth, he says, I'll bless the work of your hand. So you don't need to pray about when you have obedience. You don't need to need to pray about what God would have you do. You just need to touch stuff. People with mercy and truth in their heart can just touch stuff. God says, I will bless what you touch if you obey me. Do you understand what I just said to you? God, what do you want me to do? Obey. Obey my word and touch stuff. Don't treat the word of God like a menu and decide what you want today. I'll take some grace, hold the mercy and the tithe. (laughs) Give me love, hope, faith, no works. No, don't treat the word of God like a menu. When you have mercy and truth around your neck, you activate your favor, and you're going to find a lot more in 2021 than a parking space. I'm going to tell you that right now. In the mi- favor will bless you in a famine. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's eating but you. You know that verse in the Bible where it says, though 10,000 may fall at your side, you won't even dash your foot on a stone. The Bible says if 10,000 people around you are dying, you won't even stub your big toe. That's how much favor God, I'm telling you, you better work with mercy and truth. Can I give you another one? You better work with character. Moses said this in Exodus 33, verse 13 to God. Now then, if I have found favor in your sight in any way, please let me know your ways so that I may know you in order that I may find favor in your sight. Teach me your ways. Moses didn't tell God his wants. He told God he wanted to know his ways. Write this down. God is not giving, your want, giving you your wants until you address your ways. God's not giving your wants until you address your ways, your character, the lack of patience, all the stuff that we know. I'll tell you one more thing, two more things real quick. You better work with wisdom. Don't, people be doing some stupid stuff and calling it faith. No wisdom. Don't ask anybody. No wise counsel. You got to work with wisdom. Listen to this uh, beautiful verse. What is wisdom? Wisdom is not just intelligence acted out. Listen to James 3.17. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. We got to address our purity. When people are wise, they're pure. We don't just say nobody's perfect. We like, I got to figure out a way to be holy. Wisdom is pure, undefiled by sin. So we're seeking the purity of the Lord. Wisdom, first of all, is pure. 
It is also peace-loving. Some of y'all love a fight. You love when it goes wrong. You just get to post your stories and just all angry and mad. It's got to be peace-loving. Gentle at all times. Jeez. Somebody's like, I wasn't gentle this week. And willing to yield to others. There's that word again. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. Ain't no fake it till you make it in wisdom. I'm not going to fake it till I make it. I'm struggling. I don't know what I'm doing. It is what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. You better work with wisdom. And I threw this point in here just for the tough week that we've had. And I know it's the Lord. You better work without anger. Listen to this verse. Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Wait a minute. Jesus, did you just associate a lifetime of favor with anger for just a moment? Did you just associate favor with the capacity to be angry as little of amount of time as possible? So that means that when you stay mad, angry for a year, you could potentially be forfeiting favor for a lifetime. God has the ability. And do you know that the things that you have done, you have done, that I have done, make God so angry that fire blasts out of his nostrils? That's how it describes God's anger. Fire blasting out of his nostrils, but just for a moment, and then gives the people, you and I, that did things prior to, that made God so mad that fire blasted out of his nostrils. He, he says, you make fire blast out of my nostrils, but I'm gonna give you a lifetime of favor. Where's that person in the Christianity? And until you realize that you, you, me, I'll just say me, until I realize that I have made fire blast out of the nostrils of God. He was so livid at what I did, and yet he's so gracious, he gave me a lifetime of favor. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, you better work without anger because your anger is stifling your favor. Wow. Jesus' very first sermon said something absolutely insane. And I'm going to close with this because I went over time. But I do every week. So it's like I want to be consistent. But I think consistency is great leadership. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. You want to be a great leader, you got to be consistent. Jesus' first sermon. You better work without anger. You're messing up your favor. And you have the right to be mad, but you're messing up your favor. Don't let the devil mess up your favor. Don't let nothing you see on the media mess up your favor. You got to work without anger. You got to work without anger. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22 says this. And, and I'm putting favor on your work because I know you're going to put in the work. Our church, we give, we work. I know. So I'm not, this ain't a message for a lazy person. This is more about working right because I, I don't think there's anybody in our church that doesn't want to put in the work for the most part. But I want you to catch Jesus' first sermon. Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. 
When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. You better pay attention. When Jesus in his very first sermon, this is after he got baptized and the heavens opened, you better pay attention at the passage of scripture Jesus chooses to preach his very first sermon. He opened up all of the Old Testament scriptures and found the place. I want you to get this visual. He's stumbling through Genesis. He's stumbling through generosity. It's my first sermon. What, what, should, I, what should I read from? Thumbing through all the prophets, Daniel. He had, we would have had access to all of that. And he goes, and he found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They were staring at him. Like I'm looking at you intently in the camera. Is it awkward? Just trying to relive what happened in the first church service. He sat down and they were staring at him. You know why they were staring at him? I don't really know, but I have a clue. And I'm going to give you the clue. They might be staring at him because they would have memorized the verse he was reading. Every single person in the room would have known the verse that he was quoting. The year of the Lord's favor. He was quoting Isaiah 61. And it is possible that they were waiting for him to finish his sentence and he didn't. Because listen to what the original version says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn. And then he says this in the last verse, those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. So I want you to understand that it is very possible they were staring at him intently because he didn't finish his sentence. He was supposed to say the year of the Lord's favor and vengeance for their enemies. And he left the vengeance out and sat down and just said the year of the Lord's favor. And God told me to tell you until you cannot finish the sentence, Vengeance for your enemies, the year of Lord's favor is next year. This is the year of the Lord's favor if you can read that verse and sit down. Everyone in the room was enemies of God. Everyone in the world was the enemies of God. And God himself wrapped himself in human skin and came down. And the first sermon said the year of the Lord's favor. And they said, and... And he went. And everybody was staring at him like y'all staring at me. But what are you going to do about our enemies? What are you going to do about Rome? 
What are you going to do about the person I'm mad at? What are you going to do about what happened on January 6th at the Capitol? What are you going to do? Look what they did. What are you going to do? And God said, I just told you what I'm going to do. The whole year is favor. Because when you have favor, nobody got to do anything. I'm declaring favor on the whole year. And I'm going to sit down. Do you understand what I just said to you? The Spirit of the Lord is declaring favor on the whole year. And if you would sit down and stop wishing for vengeance of your enemies, you can receive favor on the whole year. You better work, but without anger. I got to pray for somebody's anger right now for the Lord. So strong on this. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Somebody's so mad. Somebody's so mad and it's messing up their favor. Jesus didn't finish his sentence. He could have said, it was scripture to say, and with it, the day of vengeance for his enemies. And I feel like God wants me to tell someone, the reason why you see so much wickedness and craziness happening, and it appears that I'm not doing anything, is because it's the year of the Lord's favor. And judgment day is not yet. And if you would do what I'm asking you to do, then I'm going to give favor. And when your enemies see your favor, they will worship your God too. Nebuchadnezzar was an enemy of Daniel. And when Nebuchadnezzar saw what God did for Daniel, No, it was Darius in the Bible. When Darius saw what God did for Daniel in the lion's den, he made everybody worship Daniel's God. So when we talk about we need a Christian nation, the, the nation needs to see what God does for a person. We, everybody's got to worship your God. Everybody's got to worship your God. But we need some Christians who can not finish their sentence. And just say the day of the, the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. Not the year of the Lord's favor and these politicians at the Capitol. No, the year of the Lord's favor is here. And sit down. And God's going to release so much favor and blessing in 2020. Do you believe it? Put it in the chat and say, I believe it. I receive it. Lord, we trust you in the name of Jesus. It is the year of the Lord's favor. And you will water our work in Jesus' name. Amen.